Welcome to another STC Suncoast presentation podcast. This podcast was created for local and remote chapter members who missed or were unable to attend the live presentation. The goal of these podcasts is to strengthen our STC community by sharing knowledge and experience with fellow members. In this presentation, Janet Foley discusses the who, what, where, when, and why of implementing knowledge management in a large corporation. This presentation was recorded at our September 2006 meeting. When you hear the sound, it is time to advance to the next slide. Hello, my name is Mark Lewis, and I'm the editor of this podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to contact me at marklewis at hyperwriters.com. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Joan. I couldn't have been more pleased when Joan asked me to do this because I feel a little bit like Jessica Fletcher. I don't know how many of you know who Jessica Fletcher is. JB, you might know her as. Um, I want this to be as interactive as possible, so I have some people planted around the room to ask questions. So, But I want everyone to feel free to interrupt me because uh, I tend to fill the air unless I'm interrupted. So um, so please do. I know you, you come from a world that I imagine, and I'm probably from a world that you can only imagine. So if I miss a connection somehow in, in your world and, and you have a question about that, please please interrupt me and, and ask me to expand on it. Knowledge management is extremely complex. And as Joan mentioned, the scope of it is, um, you know, now there are hundreds of books, maybe more than that, thousands for all I know, that have been written in the last 15 years on knowledge management. It started out as a buzzword. Um, and it was, at the time, interpreted as an IT function. Uh, it's changed a lot since then, especially in organizations where their inter intellectual capital is their product. So you can see why a financial services organization would fall into that category, because um, all, for instance, PricewaterhouseCoopers does is sell their knowledge. Knowledge is their product. So it has a kind of natural uh, way of falling into a, a, a high value in an organization like that. Any kind of financial services organization would, would follow in the same, along the same lines. Um, prior to joining e and um, I had a different job every two years. Um, and I was really happy once I got a job at a bank and my dad said to me, well, that's fine, honey, but what are you going to do two years from now? And I realized that he was right, you know. And like, then I, uh, as my husband put it, was picked up on an airplane uh, by someone at E&Y and was offered a job by the time we got to baggage claim. And I was there, <laughs> and I was there for eight years. And, the, and I planned to retire from PricewaterhouseCoopers, too. Um, it's just where I'm comfortable. Uh, and what that means is that knowledge management is almost entirely, almost entirely, a gray area. Um, and I found out that at PwC we talk about navigating the gray. And it's, um, it's always changing. It's, um, you have a lot of power in making decisions in an environment that isn't well-defined. So you, it also, therefore, becomes very, very flexible. 
So it's, it's just an environment and a partnership. I love partnerships. It's a difficult thing to understand if you've never been in one. Um, but it's great as well. So, you know, it's, it's a very entrepreneurial um, experience being in, in knowledge management. Um, as I mentioned, knowledge management is very, very um, complex. It's strategic. It starts out strategic. It's extremely tactical and everything in between. It's uh, a place where you have to be extremely group-oriented, ad hoc teams, full-time teams, um, cooperative, collaborative. You have to be able to travel and you have to be able to, you can work at home. You have to work for hours and hours with your head down and then also be able to talk to firm leadership and, and large groups. So it's, it takes a, uh, it's, it's a very creative world to live in. And um, that's one of the things that is also uh, very interested. It's, as always, um, it's people, process, and technology. But primarily, it's the people, the people side of it, that makes it work. Um, it's interactions with other people, and I'll go into that in a few minutes. Um, the process uh, we kind of make up as we go along, as some of you in the room know. Um, and then the process has to be so flexible to meet with the changes, not only in, in the company, but the world, and, um, and all of the vagaries of the, of the marketplace. So, um, so I find it extremely, extremely interesting. I'm, you'll see my slides are, I tend to kind of look like a kindergartner up here, but I keep it very simple, and we're going to talk in plain language. I'm not going to give you a bunch of acronyms like MAKE, which I'm glad that you remembered because I was sitting there thinking I can't remember what that stands for. Um, so I wondered how many of you have heard of knowledge management before tonight? Okay. <laughs> um, does anybody have an idea of what, what it is? I gotta figure out how to use this. Oh, I gotta point it over here. Okay, oh, I, I forgot the ground rules. Um, I also wanted to go over what you wanted to get out of this before we... Who knows what this means? Table of contents, yay. So I finally thought I'd go through the, you know, the journalistic uh, who, what, where, when, why, and I learned to what extent, but that was in the dark ages. But I, I, if you could just briefly tell me what you would like to get out of this, and then at the very end we'll, we'll check them off. This is not part of my presentation. <laughs> <laughs> this was our ages of our husbands. No, this... this <laughs> This is um, permanent, evidently, on here. So I'm going to mark over it. Someone used the wrong marker. <laughs> so some are very heavy and some are very old. So well, who can tell me what they would like to get out of this? Yes? Um, this is the first time I've been in an environment where I can gauge uh, uh, what's happening in knowledge management elsewhere as opposed to where I am today to see if... Um, where, where we need to be or where we need to go. Okay. Uh, maybe the big picture and the future? Yeah. 
future. <laughs> it's like one of those jokes where <laughs> future and there's no end to it. Um, yes? Well, I know knowledge management covers a very broad area, not just in some sort of technical knowledge base, but really anything that you're putting out there is knowledge. But I'm really interested in a more restricted scope because I'm part of an initiative that's going to be implementing a more technical knowledge base as part of rolling out some best practices in IT based on idle and um, months. So, what do you mean by technical knowledge base? Well, we, we are, we've gotten a new tool that we're going to be implementing. It has an, a knowledge tools component. We're starting to build a knowledge base that we can use that will contain solutions to various incidents that we oh. understand with. Okay. So we're dealing with issues such as, I mean, certainly some things can be built in that particular tool, but the issues we're interested in are things such as your review process and what you think of allowing people, which have a growing trend in some ways around knowledge center support to allow people to publish first and then you review later based on what floats before you go through what's going to be in the past a more arcane approval process before stuff gets out there. And also, um, what are some of your procedures around periodically reviewing? How do you handle those kinds of things? Um, what kind of tools do you really use to, to store knowledge for your approval process? Um, to integrate with other processes. In our case, we're having to integrate with other service management processes. And what kind of content do you store? Do you only do workarounds or new mirrors? Again, this is a pretty technical knowledge base, more like what you would find if you searched Microsoft um, on the web. And not unlike tax and audit mm -hmm. kinds of, we call that technical, because right. it is. It's, kind of black and white, but then they have a whole other kind of knowledge that they're interested in, too. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? Oh, I was supposed to repeat the question, because uh, I'm getting recorded here. The first one was big picture in the future of uh, knowledge management, and technical knowledge base, uh, what kind of processes, review procedures that we have, tools, storage, and what kind of content. Yes? I, uh, for the first three years that I worked in this industry, my job title was Knowledge Management Designer. Oh, Today, I am a technical writer. <laughs> I'm curious because I don't perceive what I'm doing now as being that much different from what I did as a Knowledge Management Designer. So I'm curious as to the close real world of Knowledge Management. What is the difference? How, how is that different for a technical writer? Who gave you the title of knowledge management designer? That's a great question. Knowledge management, K always stands for knowledge. That was really hard for me to get used to because I always thought it would, you know, start like something else. But, okay, you were a KM designer and you went to technical writer? Right. And it's the same job. Well, from my perspective, it is. Okay. And you want to know why, right? Basically. Okay. Anyone else? Someone else had their hand raised. Yes. I just came here to see if there's anything I can take away from this for a small company. Oh, good. Okay. Small company application. Okay. I think I have a rather old-fashioned definition of knowledge management in my mind. I don't know, to start, it would be good to hear what you define it. Right. How it works and what you're talking about exactly. 
But I am thinking of solutions in big data. So like um, a help desk wouldn't have to re keep rewriting the same solution. I think that's probably some old fashioned I know this has been around for a long, long time. So just a bigger Okay, so it's um, what knowledge management, how it's defined, and you're thinking of a solutions database that would take the place of a help desk kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, knowledge management, as I said before, it was a real big thing, and everyone was talking about it. It was originally driven by IT, and um, and then there were people. It was the under the direction of the CIOs, the Chief Information Officer, that was created. Then they realized that they had technology and no content, so they ended up creating a um, <laughs> a uh, CKO. And the whole problem that they and, and then it got a really bad rap because it was failing in lots and lots and lots of places. And the reason for that probably was that conflict between technology and and what we call content. And I'll go through that. Anything else? And it is challenging in a small organization. You tend to use your desktop ends up being, looking like a table rather than a computer. <coughs> okay. So we're gonna we're gonna start out with the so what. <laughs> okay. Surprise, you are already a knowledge manager. Everyone in their life is managing something. And whether it's knowledge, uh, whether it's your projects, your workspace, your garage, your books, right? You do it alphabetically by author. Do you do it by, you know, you have all your religious books here and your philosophy here and your fiction. You know, Dewey Decimal System, alive and well. Um, Regardless of what you do, you're trying to, always trying to bring order where there was chaos. And that is really what knowledge management is trying to do. That's an end game. Um, and there's lots of assumptions about why order is better than chaos. So that's a lot of dependencies there. And what we're trying to do is to make the leap from carbon copies to browsing the internet. I don't know if anyone here is old enough to remember working when you had carbon copies <laughs> and, and <laughs> but it was it was amazing you made a mistake and you know you had to erase oh it was awful um, and then they came out with the Xerox machines and things got a little bit better so you could make 12 copies and spread them in everybody's file and then everyone had an updated version of of whatever it was you were you were doing uh, and that ended up the here's the danger. There's a lot of danger in not having knowledge management because those carbon copies represent uh, things that need to be updated on a continual basis. If they're not, and if you don't keep track of who you gave these copies to, they're going to do things that might be illegal now because the law changed. They could just damage the company. Uh, you know, they could be libelous. There's all the kinds of, of dangers um, in that. Browsing the internet, I put that up there because the internet is designed like a knowledge management world. It is organized, well, let's just talk about Google, some of the, you know. Um, but there is an organization there that's invisible to us. But all we know is that if we, if we have keywords and filters and know what we want and know how it works, 
You don't really even have to understand Boolean logic anymore, but you get stuff and then at least you can sift through it and, and decide what it is is important to you. Yes? Um, on that point about the internet being full of knowledge, well, on the internet there is a lot of stuff that is purported to be knowledge but is in fact either a ruse or mm -hmm. a mistake. Right. And, you know, it can be either way. Right. But um, do you have that same kind of yep. situation within the field per se? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that actually in a couple of minutes. And, um, yeah, and you have to have certain people to figure out, you know, what's a, a bad joke or what is just wrong or what is out of date or, you know, on and on. Okay. Knowledge management, um, other than being fun, which is what I think it is, it, it does enable you to bring ideas to your management, your peers, and anyone who reports to you that you had never thought of before that they have never thought of before. And um, it really is, it's kind of, the phrase that I mentioned, the, knowledge, the phrase knowledge management just was, you know, ignored and, and thought to be a bad thing there for quite a while. And now it's coming back. Um, some people don't call it knowledge management anymore, but those of us who know that that's what it is, we, we keep using it. Um, it's, um, as I said, it, well, you'll see in a minute the value of it. Um, and all the work that you do, and I'm assuming you're all writers, so it, I contribute to the knowledge of the organization that you work in. Whether It doesn't matter what you're doing, but if you're contributing to some end, end piece of work, you are a knowledge worker, and you are, maybe you hand it off to someone else who ends up putting it into a knowledge management system, and maybe you don't. Maybe it gets published, and, and there are all different kinds of options um, that, that, uh, that you can follow um, you know, when you create something. But when we're talking about the content, we're not talking about the internal content of a document. And um, I'll get into that in a second, actually. Wrong one. Okay. So, that, so what, as you can see, we come back to. So who? Everyone. In an organization that is, um, ends up being knowledge dependent, which most do, um, everyone needs to be aware of knowledge management, and everyone needs to um, participate in it. You can't, um, let's say, let's use Google again. If you Google and no one has contributed it, to it, Google's no good. A search engine, I need to have stuff to search. And the way you get that is by people contributing their content. And then there's a process that you go through to cull through the good, the bad, and the ugly that, that Becky was talking about. So you can have all different kinds of level. The only real successful knowledge management has been through when an entire organization does it. The others are okay. I mean, you've heard of maybe the uh, engineering department in a manufacturing company has done a really good job of knowledge management within their group. Well, they don't tell sales, they don't tell manufacturing, they don't tell, you know, the, you know, so 
it, it's really something that, um, that should be enterprise-wide. Number one thing is top-down. It has to be top-down in order to fail. It has to have the money, which kind of flows from the top-down idea. So initial and continued funding. That the people at the top need to really understand the value of the end game in this. Um, flexibility is really critical. Um, I can give you an example from a place where I used to work that I won't name, that where there was a process put in place to do a certain thing within knowledge management. It was this person's process. And whenever there was something new going on in the firm, we said, well, no, that, this is our process. Well, it's your process. You can change it, you know. And you need to keep changing to keep up with, with the new kinds of um, events that go on in every organization. It is an incredible challenge to create knowledge management within a firm because it changes, it has to change human behavior. And it goes against what is natural to us, which is to do things and not tell anybody. And there are all kinds of reasons for that. Um, one reason is, you know, knowledge is power, and so knowledge means a, a job security for me. Um, it takes time, and I don't, get, I don't get paid to, you know, share what I know with someone else. And on and on and on. You know, it's just not the natural thing to do. So it has to be baked into the, the whole process, the whole firm. Yes? I don't, you may ask, answer this question later, but about the funding, I mean, where does cost come in? Okay. Um, where does cost come in? Cost comes in um, initially through common technology. Because you can't get at anything unless you all have the, you have to have a knowledge architecture as well as the IT to support it and the hardware and software and application software. So, I mean, that, that's big. And you can't exclude anyone because the, the end game is the knowledge sharing culture. So if you don't fund it and you don't encourage it and you don't force people to use it, and by force I mean you put it there and nowhere else. It's the only place they're going to get messages from leadership. It's the only place that they can get updates on what's going on in you know, tax law or whatever it would happen to be then they're going to go there because they have to go there in order to do their jobs and there's nowhere else to go. I mean, that's the so it's like a huge strong arm. It can be one huge database. I'm not a tech person, but, or it can be a group of data. It can be anything. It's all dependent on the, on the capabilities and, and how much money you want to spend on the technology. And it's good to do it kind of step by step, which is what we're doing. Yes. Is there any kind of um, a ballpark ratio between number of staff and effectiveness of a, of a KM department? I, w I would say if you, what, you, what you should do, and oh, by the way, all those books on knowledge management, um, I was thought, well, maybe I should do some research for it, you know. And I thought, no, I'm just going to talk about my experience. You can read the books, you know. You can. That's easy to find in any bookstore, or library, or on the internet. From from my standpoint, what you do um, is a centralized knowledge group as you look out across your organization, 
and you say, oh, those people are in XYZ group, and I'll, I'll give you the, uh, you know, accounting firm example. You know, Kathy is in the aerospace and defense industry. Her clients are in aerospace and defense. And she's a tax partner. And she also, you know, has other things that she does, maybe some advisory, you know, other kinds of work that she does. What does she need to know to do her job? Okay, so we need aerospace and defense knowledge so that she is as smart as her clients or close to it or at least can ask intelligent questions for her clients. She also has to keep up to date on, on the tax, right? On changes in the tax law, blah, 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 and especially as they affect her, her clients. There are lots and lots of other kinds of things that she needs to keep up to date on, but there's, you know, in a firm like that, you know, you have your, you have your profession, right, no matter what it is, and then you have the client's world, and you need to, to keep, keep that in balance. And so we have to make sure that she can get what she needs, no matter what it is. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just thinking about what your question was. So the answer to me, the answer to the question is, who are these groups out in, in your organization who have common knowledge needs? You should have someone in the knowledge group who represents the common knowledge needs for all of these groups. And is there is their ambassador, ambassador from the knowledge group to the to that group, and also represents that group's knowledge needs to the knowledge organization, and that to me would drive um, the number of people. Then you need a lot of um, other people, like people in this room, who are supporting what those knowledge needs are. They're either creating the knowledge, they're writing it. They're editing it. They're organizing it. Um, Jane Talbot, who is here, is responsible for, uh, as I go through the slides, um, a lot of the heavy duty, heavy lifting when it comes to uh, making the knowledge on the, uh, in the firm uh, accessible so that Kathy can, can do her job. So there are all different ways of, um, of assessing that, but there's it depends on what you want to offer, too. I mean, you can have research and uh, analysts and competitive intelligence, meaning, like, for us, what is Ernst & Young, KPMG, and Deloitte & Touche doing in this area? And I don't mean in the knowledge area. I mean in, you know, how are they handling this situation? You know, whatever, what happened to be. Hurricane Katrina affected every industry. It affected tax, it affected assurance, and it affected advisory services too. So that's the way I look at it. It's, it should be a reflection of the groups within the firm, the organization. Can I also add that the people who are dedicated to knowledge management don't necessarily have to be full-time in that role. If they are the liaison between the business knowledge management group, they can be part-time to the KM initiative and be representing their group Say they're in HR, they've got all their benefits posted, all their, um, all of the rules and regulations, anything that HR might need to post, that ambassador to the KM really just needs to manage and maintain their job or, or their documentation with on, within the KM tool in order for it to it remain updated. And so they may have a new benefit or, you know, and if you're in manufacturing or if you're in sales or if you're in 
whatever group you're representing, there's an initial push to get it all uploaded, but once it's there, you're kind of just managing it ongoing, mm -hmm. and it's only a part-time job, kind of. So part of your responsibilities are within the department that you're in, but the rest of it has to do mm -hmm. with KM. And we basically call, this is not a universal thing, but we would probably call them knowledge managers, the people who are part, who don't really, uh, aren't part of the centralized knowledge services organization, usually knowledge managers within their groups. And, the knowledge, and we have different words for the people who are in the knowledge services organization. Knowledge workers, you could call them, but um, we usually have more specialized, kind of esoteric words to describe them. So, yeah, thanks, Jane. That's important. So what? Not so what, but what? Okay, now we're going to define knowledge management, I hope. And this, this is my definition, okay? And I hate it when I'm in a, in a, go to a place and they start, you know, quoting Webster's. Well, I got Oxford here. But um, I just find it really annoying. But I did it anyway. And um, it's the only research I did before I, I put this together. So... Um, my ninth grade English teacher, oh, God bless her, define your terms, she always said. And, you know, you, you can see that when people are arguing. They're, they're arguing because they don't know, they're not using the words in the same, same definition for the words that they're arguing about. So knowledge, okay, an organized body of information. It isn't information, obviously. It's an organized body of information. So I, what, who would like to describe what a continuum is? <laughs> I'm a continuum freak. Yes. It's like a spectrum of okay. values. Okay. Right. Um, Just like a like a rainbow spectrum. The colors really blend. They're not real. Okay. Yeah. The same. There's, you're headed in a direction, but it's I'll use it. It's gray, right? As it moves across. There's nothing real black and white. But you do have a beginning, which is data, and I'll go through this in a second. Information, knowledge, and I added wisdom. I like that one. I, Usually isn't anything past knowledge on these, but um, but I think that's uh, you know if you if you want to well I'll have it on the next slide, but um, the different people in the firm who are interested in these things you know data you know the finance people might be just real interested and that's all they want uh, information might be. Um, you know how a machine is working and operating and all that kind of stuff knowledge is. Um, provides more context around it, and it's usually some kind of a conclusion. Um, wisdom um, is the specific application of all of that into uh, in bringing in your human ability to uh, assess and think and synthesize and, so, and apply. Management, exercising executive control or authority. Okay, so this is the creating order out of chaos. That's what you're in control and you're going to make something happen um, that wasn't there before. So this is kind of what, uh, the way I think of it. Um, we'll go across these quickly. Data, five days. Okay, the business week is Monday through Friday. Knowledge is I have to work the entire business week, and the wisdom is that I don't have to work hard. So there's a judgment, there's a kind of a judgment going on in here, right? Same thing here. There's no one. The office was empty. It was Saturday, so no one had to work. I can work on Saturday if I want to. You know, this isn't proscriptive. So, um, you know, you're adding um, judgment and, 
interpretation to the other and it can be very creative as well. There's an on-off button on the machine. The machine needs to be on during work hours. The last person out the door each night must turn off the machine. The wisdom is I don't want to be the last person out the door because I don't want to be turning that button off and on. So you can see that this is factual, no context, right? This has context and it can also be procedural. This is factual, contextual, a factual, contextual conclusion. There's a certain conclusion with knowledge. Okay, a knowledge object we're going to be calling it. And then I think of wisdom as being um, interpretive, uh, the application of knowledge in creative. And I, I think of, we're, we're in this realm because the wisdom is what our, our uh, users do with, the, with what they do with the information. So this at PricewaterhouseCoopers, for instance, that would be our client practitioners. And um, they make the judgments on how to apply that knowledge to their interactions with their clients. Okay, yeah, there it is. So, mission organization. Our organization means organizing things, but it's also, oddly enough, the name for a great big company, right, is an organization. And theoretically, it's called that because it's organized, right? So, usually it's people. They are, you know, organized into departments and stuff like that. We're talking about what's up here. Okay, so you've seen Mission Organization. Everyone has seen it, right, on television? Okay. <coughs> so what do they do? This is the process they go through during that, that TV show. First thing you do is, you know, you lay it all out, right? And you figure out some of it you're going to give away and some of it you're going to throw out. But you don't want it anymore, okay? Because uh, you're never going to use it again, it has no value. Then you, you take what you're going to keep and you categorize it. Sometimes you color code it or you, you know, big things, little things. All, that's what Jane does for a living. And then you put similar things in baskets. You know, you got all your paper here and your pencils and whatever it would happen to be. And then you have to maintain it. And that's what they always say at the end of the show. Say, well, you know, it looks good now, but in six months, will it be a disaster again? If you do it right, it's easy to put away and it's easy to, to find. Um, but your, the maintenance is bringing stuff in and getting rid of the old stuff. And then it will it'll look like it did at the end of the show. And this is, these are the results you get. You can find what you want when you want it quickly, right? When your closet's all neat and tidy. You only find things that are of value to you because you threw out everything else or gave it away. Um, and sometimes you discover there are things missing, like me. I don't have any navy blue shoes that goes with this. So I'm wearing black, which is not a good thing. So you discover that there are missing things. So you can either make them, and I'm not going to about to make shoes, but maybe I'd make a skirt or something. I don't know. But, um, and you can also buy those missing pieces. And they're, but at least you know what's not there that you need to get in order to have either you know, a complete outfit or whatever it would happen to be. Clothes for the north if you go on vacation there or something. Um, no, what do you do? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, someone added, no, I didn't have this done. I was going to give it to Jane to add it, and I, I just didn't have time. <laughs> no, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> 
this should be now. Now, I'm just hooked on that no, you know, that capital K comes out no matter what. Um, so what do you do if you discover there are missing things? You either create them, ask your friend if they have something you could use, or you buy them. And then what do you do? You bring it home, just you go back here, you categorize it, you put it where it belongs, and then it falls back into the, into the maintenance part of it. Okay, so now you're going to organize your knowledge. Same thing, only here the mission organization is you delete, purge, or archive your knowledge at the beginning. You create a taxonomy and tag it according, accordingly. That's what the categorization or the color coding or whatever it would happen to be. Who can define taxonomy for me? Other than Jane and Joan. <laughs> Classifying. And, sorry? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. A system, right? It is a system for classifying. What kind of order would they fall into? I mean, hierarchical, exactly. So you'd have shoes, blue shoes, black shoes, red shoes, sandals. Okay, what do you do with red sandals? You got red shoes over here, and you've got <laughs> red high heels over here. So, you know, you've got to figure out how you're going to categorize it so you can find it the way you want to. Okay? So, you put things in a basket, you put them in a database with similar things. So it makes sense. When I was at ENY, when I left, I said my legacy to everyone is, and I had, my, I had a sign in my office, and gave away framed ones to a bunch of people that says, do what makes sense. Because you can get caught up in all of this and you can lose perspective. So this is definitely where doing what makes sense, as well as figuring out, you know, how to tag your red sandals. You know, are they sandals or are they red shoes? I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> so you maintain it and you put it away. Maintain it, you review it. Um, I have down here twice a year. It depends on what it is. We have a rule where we maintain it we review everything annually. Some things should be looked at much more often than that, but never um, less than once a year. You're saying you review every single piece of knowledge? Yeah. Twice a year? Well, we're doing it right now. We're, we're at once a year. How many documents do you have to look at? 15,000, maybe. So how do you do that? Full-time employees? <laughs> What's the criteria you use? Right. How, do you have to go to subject matter experts for each piece? You send mm -hmm. it out to them and have them review and get it? Yeah. How do, how do you main, how do you review it and how, how do you uh, get 15,000 documents through a, a system and how is that judgment made? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's important to know that we have this knowledge management system. We have these knowledge manage, management staff members, none of whom are experts in, in the field that they're working in. Remember I said that we have people who are the liaison between a body of knowledge and the organization, uh, the knowledge organization. And it's because they can't, it's a little bit, I, I, the analogy I always draw is, because um, I was in sales for so long, um, let's say you're selling, I don't know, international harvester stuff, or, you know, 
reapers or whatever they have, grim reapers. And you, um, and so you're, you're, someone wants to buy it, and you know they ask, start asking about, well, can you put extra blades in there, or how do you, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but, and you so we say, well, how about if the you know engineering staff comes out with me? So you bring the experts with you. So, but who, the the real question is, you're not an expert as a knowledge worker usually. Sometimes they are. But um, the knowledge organization doesn't own the content. And by own, it means we don't make any decisions. It's kind of a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. We, we can say, well, we, how would we know? How would I know whether a piece of content is good for aerospace and defense? You know, I, you know Kathy would know because she's a partner in that field. Um, but other than that, um, we just work with them, and you learn a lot in the process. And we have certain standards that we follow, which I keep, poor Jane, she's also in charge of, of the standards for all the knowledge in the firm. And so uh, those standards have to be followed. We have 14 document types, and no more, unless there's a good business case for it, which we haven't had yet. So. You know, there are certain rules we follow, but they're knowledge rules. They're not content rules. Uh, so you're saying the, runs, the annual reviews for, for knowledge rules and not for content? No, the, the, the now, it starts with the owners. It starts in the practice. So the person who, who is responsible for being that liaison says, you, this month, you know, you've got these documents to, to tell me, right, what to do with. They can do it very, very quickly. It is not as bad as it sounds. Did you have a tool that, that sort of gives you a pop-up reminder or sends one of your centralized knowledge mm-hmm. group a notification that these things are right now for yeah. or something like that? <laughs> yeah, Joan knows all about that. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. It's not, we don't go out there and sure. look. I can maybe put this in a more concrete picture for you. The contract that I'm working on, it's writing work instructions for a manufacturing mm-hmm. company, okay? Nobody knows how to write. Nobody knew what they had. So I'm putting it in, I'm organizing the closet. I'm, I have created certain formats, This is, and I'm the only one doing it. That's the advantage. I have, you know, I'm, I'm the queen, okay? But, um, it is about to be put into uh, a division of the SAP system, which is a computer program that a lot of manufacturing use. It's called DMS, the Document Management System. Once it gets put into there, then it will automatically be keyed for annual reviews a year from whenever it gets put mm-hmm. in. Now, every department, I, I know nothing about manufacturing, assembling, and shipping terminal connectors, okay? <laughs> and I don't want to know anything, no. But every department has an owner, a designated owner, of all of these work instructions. Whether they're doing the writing or not, their name is on the review. Right. And they are in charge, and I send out to them, I get back from them, and I have their signatures. They are the content managers. I am the style person who's getting it into a computer, basically, Mm -hmm. and making them pay attention 
to this whole aspect because they don't have a document control person at, mm -hmm. at this company. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the application That's is right. the same whether it's in a, a huge accounting firm yep. or whether it's in a little manufacturing company, mm -hmm. which this one is not a little, but it acts like it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and it depends on the software that you have, but most of them now can be keyed to do that, that timing for you. And we're only up to like, I'll, I'll have probably 500, 700 work instructions by the time I'm done that are active, not obsolete. Mm -hmm. So, big difference from 15,000. <laughs> and that's probably low. I don't know, tax has... It will be when... Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're still in the process of first time around for everything. You had your next... Yeah, I just, it's kind of similar to what she was talking about, organization of uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and we grew literally overnight. Um, we, had, we just hit two million members, um, and we were a small uh, company and grew overnight. Mm -hmm. And um, one comment I wanted to make is is in reference to um, categorizing. Um, one lesson I learned in, in, in managing content in one particular department was that you, when you're starting to categorize things, um, think for scalability, right? So we had three states and I was categorizing content and we use SharePoint. I don't know if anybody's familiar with SharePoint for content management. Um, and I didn't think about scalability and it was a painful lesson to learn because the, the, with the growth of the states, so the content grew. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back and re revisit how I categorized it and bro broke things out actually by state. Um, and then now I've got this particular area built with that concept. So if I add another state, I just add another category of the state. And mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's organized and revisiting and managing it, it becomes easy. So think about scalability when you're... Um, categorizing your content. Right. It's a lot easier to start right with a few things and absolutely and build. And what and your point about finding out what's missing. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing that's happening because I send out now a list to each owner of what I have for them by mm -hmm. title, mm -hmm. whether they made it obsolete or whether it's still active and said, okay now you start looking at your department, figure out where the holes are figure out what other work instructions you think you need from the perspective of a new employee. Right. And then you tell me, and we'll do it. Mm -hmm. right. But I'm not the one making those decisions. Right. right. We don't happily have to make those decisions. <laughs> you had a question? I was just wondering if anybody had any trouble with the first one. <laughs> it's a battle. See, back to the owner. It has, yeah. My yeah. client has a lot of trouble with that. I mean, I can see at my company that if I tried to put anything like this in place, yeah. I would never be allowed to delete anything. Yeah. Well, well they they, they want to archive everything. If they but it, some of it's obvious. Like if your lights are on in the parking lot or there's bagels in the kitchen, that can be purged three months from now. And it's kind of obvious. It hits you over the head with it being obvious that these types of alerts, memos, newsletters are old. And if you want to archive them, that's fine, but take them offline or put them near line so that they can be searched outside of the body of knowledge that is up-to-date, useful, or distinctive that's really going to make a difference in how you go to market. 
I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> the content owners. The owner would agree. Yeah. And well, so that's where you have to have the top-down buy-in. Yeah. Every time you get an assembling block, this is a firm oh, no, initiative. Yeah. We've invested, <laughs> you know, X tens of. <laughs> well, that, that's the yeah. That's a problem. You had a question? Uh, another question. Or a comment? A comment um, about deleting, purging, and archiving. I worked for Boeing during the 90s. Oh. And I had one guy who was a manager in the manufacturing department who had been there for 53 years, <gasps> never threw out a single piece of paper. His office, his office was almost the size of this room, and his desk had to be in the middle of the room because you couldn't get to anywhere else because there were file cabinets all around the place. Carbon copies, probably, too. <laughs> if you wanted to know how to build a wing spar for a Boeing B-17, he had it. Oh. And he probably died with it. No, knowledge. I have to agree. He, when I got in there, I was converting everything to electronic files and getting rid of all the paper. And his comment 